Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting experts straight talk in your ear. These podcasts deliver great interviews with industry leaders and Zweig Group's three decades of invaluable research, leadership, management, marketing, client, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts let you develop personally, and professionally, wherever you are. Hey folks, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I am your host, Randy Wilburn, and today I have a very special guest. I've actually uh, gotten another individual from Big Red Dog, Sean Terrio Smith, to join us uh, for this episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. We're, we're doing something different nowadays um, where we're trying to reach out to as wide of an audience as possible in the design industry. We're not just trying to talk to the, the titans of industry within the design space, not the heads of architecture firms and engineering firms, even though we've had Sean's boss on, Will Schneer. But we're trying to reach out even to the, the, the guys and gals that are on the main line of these design firms making things happen on a daily basis. And it's something new that we're going to be doing on the Zweig Letter podcast in 2018. So if you're hearing this podcast for the first time and you want to get involved and you want to be heard and kind of share about your experiences coming out of school and getting in the, into the design industry and just kind of sharing for others um, you know, what you have experienced uh, working at your organization and the difference that you're making, we'd love to hear from you. And there'll be plenty of opportunities uh, both in our show notes as well as on the podcast itself for you to connect with us. So again, thank you so much for joining us today. And Sean, it's so great to have you on the show. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule uh, to join us on the TZL podcast today. No, I appreciate it, Randy. No, it's, it's an honor to be here. I'm a longtime listener. Uh, like I said to you before, I'm a podcast addict. I listen to anything and everything I can get my hands on. Uh, it's a, an excellent platform for professional development, just current events, whatever. I think uh, audio platform is is excellent way to get uh, get stuff done. You know, kind of uh, get that factor of you know um, multiple things doing at once. But um, but yeah, I wanted to kind of go back uh, into my background a little bit. Uh, I'm a project engineer at Big Red Dog in the Houston office. Uh, for folks who've been listening to your podcast before, you've obviously heard from Will previously. I think your most previous uh, episode potentially uh, has him on it. But um, so I, I came about uh, Big Red Dog uh, from uh, coincidentally another podcast I was listening to, uh, Engineering Career Coach with Anthony Fasano, which is an, another great podcast. Obviously, and I think you guys have uh, have had conversations in the past. 
Uh, but Will was on that podcast, and uh, at the time, this was probably about a year ago, um, I heard Will kind of go over some of the cultural key points and touch points of Big Red Dog and some of the uh, strategic initiatives that he really espouses. And um, at the time, I was working for a public works firm as an intern. Uh, I graduated last December. And I, I, as he was continuing to con- have a conversation with Anthony, I, it came to me that this guy understands a lot of the aspects of what my generation and those coming into the industry are really looking for into a, into a professional engineering position and, uh, and just design services in general. Um, I can tell you, being part of this firm uh, for now about six months, a little over six months, uh, a lot of the things that Will talks about with you and other people uh, in terms of uh, his interviews, it, it definitely is something they, they practice in addition to preaching. Um, one, of the, one of the key aspects uh, that we really focus on um, as part of, our, part of our values is, is open communication um, and, and, and kind of going over the top of communication, something that uh, I've always felt in terms of my relationship with clients, relationship with my superiors and, and anybody who works on my team. Uh, I feel the need to over-communicate rather than under-communicate. And I always feel that somebody will tell you, okay, Perhaps you're not sending it. You're sending it too many emails, or you're telling me too much information. You could dial, always dial it back down, but you know you don't want to be in a position where you're not communicating enough. So that's something that Big Red Dog really uh, hits hits a home run with is over communicating to clients, making sure that we're you know showing them you know what we're doing on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, making sure they know that they're getting their money's worth, and we're not you know they're not sending us off for three or four months and then you know not hearing from us you know for at least several weeks at a time. They're hearing from us every week. Um, another thing is open book. Uh, management and also just fair and transparent billing practices. You know that's something that really uh, resonated with me as well. And really, we, we kind of chase after those visionary clients. Um, we do we do a lot of really uh, incredible work. Um, we kind of cut our teeth on urban infill and mixed use development in the city of Austin, and we're starting to spread uh, with offices offices in Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, uh, now Sugarland and Lubbock. You know. We're really focusing on getting those visionary clients doing really incredible projects within our communities. That way, you get buy-in not just from on the client project management side, but your 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 your, your you know design professionals are really kind of excited about it. Even the drafters, the designers are really bought in and invested in the product because they're making something that's really cool. They could drive past with their family on a weekend and show, "I did that." You know, that's something I can, contributed to, and that's something that really gets people motivated and interested in doing the work that we do. You know, it's not always just sanitary lines or, you know, wastewater treatment plants or something like that. You know, it's, 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 it's a really cool project. So uh, over, over, over the past six months, it's been, been a bit of a roller coaster of, of really interesting projects and, you know, getting this fresh look at this industry. And, you know, it, it definitely has uh, hit home for me personally that, whatever I heard on the podcast a year ago is really actually real and true and accurate in this, in this organization. Wow. Man, man, you listen, you've done my job for me. I, I could just wrap this up right now, man. So no, that's absolutely amazing. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, one of the things that stood out and, and I guess, so if I'm hearing you correctly, part of the reason why you're actually at big red dog now is because of a podcast. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm a bit of a podcast addict. You know, I listen to everything under the sun, whether it be, you know, you know, professional development from, you know, yourself and Anthony Fasano for on the engineering side. I listen to Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, I listen to a ton of startup podcasts. I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts. I got to give a shout out to MaximumFun.org. That's my favorite brand of podcasts. Uh, you know, just all sorts of stuff from NPR. You know, I, I, I have in Houston, and I think you've talked about this before, uh, some communities are more favorable to listening to podcasts. In Houston, we have 
a lot of traffic. Yes. Uh, I, live, <laughs> I live a little bit away, uh, away from downtown where we, where we have our office in the arts district. And uh, I spend probably about 10 hours a week in a car. Wow. So I'm through, uh, I got an audible subscription. I got, yeah. I got my podcast and, you know, I make my, my, my money's worth of that commute for sure. Cause that's where I get my information. That's where I keep up to date on current events. You know, that's, Absolutely. that's my uh, force multiplier for me uh, on my, on, on my development side. You know, when I get to work, I get to work, but you know, when I'm on the car, I can, you know, get all sorts of down data downloads and hit that 1.5 X, two X and just, you know, just, go through all the podcasts I can. So yeah, that, that was kind of the, the, uh, the coincidental aspect of, of finding this, this firm. Well, you know, and you found the silver lining, I think, in what for a lot of people is is a real labor, right, of of having to, to commute to and from home to work and all that stuff. And, you know, you've you've basically made your car your 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 driving university. And you were you were not use you're not basically saying, Well, I've got this terrible commute, which a lot of people do, uh, but you're you're you've turned it around and made it something positive where, you know, ten hours a week you're able to edify yourself on so much great information. And I certainly applaud you. I, um, I always tell the joke that, you know, when I was in the Boston area, my commute was about 45 minutes. I'd ride up and down 95. And, and now, um, I can't even listen to a complete song on my commute to my office just because I never (laughs) have the time. So I, I totally get it, but I get, I get the information when and where I can, especially when I travel, I'll be on a plane tomorrow. I'll get a chance to pop in some podcasts and listen to them on the long flight that I'll be on. So, you know, you, you have to kind of make it, you know, happen where you can, but I certainly, you know, encourage everybody listening to this to really take up podcasts and listen to them because there's so much great information out there. And if nothing else, just listen to all the books on tape, the uh, or Audible, if you will. There's nothing on tape anymore. I mean, it's all digital. But you know, you can just get on your phone, and I've got several books on my phone, and I just pop up my Audible app, app and I just go for broke. So, yeah, yeah same here, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I so, get invested. In this. We're probably kindred spirits in that way. So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, well, so tell me. Um, you know, and you, 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 you've shared some really great information about your experiences there with Big Red Dog. Um, you've been there about almost a, not quite a year yet now. Um, now you, you came out of the public works uh, arena and uh, a public entity, and before that, now you also served our country. And to, could you talk just a little bit about your experiences as an engineer and as a veteran, and maybe some of the, you know, because I think that's something that's always overlooked for firms. And I hear firms all the time saying, we need to hire people, we need to hire people. And I'm always saying, well, you need to look at veterans that are out there that might be appropriate for some of the needs that you're trying to fill. And I think sometimes they, they veterans get overlooked. Let's just call it what it is. Um, and I, I, maybe just kind of just talk through us and share your experience as a veteran coming in and working in the design industry. Side um, in Texas uh, and many other markets, very similarly. I, there's a lot of private firms that do a lot of public works project. The firm previously was more focused on, on on muds or municipal utility districts here in Texas, which anything outside of a city pretty much you know is serviced by a mud. Um, so very, very, very um, necessary, and you're you're genuinely and legitimately focused on developing a community. However, it's very slow uh, and it's very political. So you know, hopping over to private development for me um, was uh, is an excitement factor. You know, the, the turnaround of projects, the uh, the speed of which a developer wants a permit, wants information, 
is dramatically accelerated. So that sort of fire gets me interested and in, in, engaged in what I'm developing. Um, and it makes me feel like I'm even a part of the deal. Like I'm bringing, I'm bringing value to the deal, but I'm also feel like I'm an investor, investor on this deal. Uh, that's what I really like about um, being a private development consultant. Uh, going into the veteran aspect, uh, I, I absolutely agree. So there's so many loaded questions loaded uh, elements to hiring veterans in, in the industry today and in any, in any, any industry for that matter. Um, going into college, I recognize that a lot of veterans, veterans tend to focus on STEM field uh, and business related degrees. I think a lot of us come out of, out of service expecting to find something that isn't going to be handed to us necessarily just because we've seen so much, some experience so much in the military. So we focus on degrees that have you know, a distinct ROI of our time. Going back to school, uh, for me, uh, I got out of active duty service in 2012 and continued in National Guard for an, uh, another two years after that. But I started at the University of Houston in 2012, literally probably the, it was actually the day after I separated from active duty service. And I'll tell you about a culture shock. I was in Afghanistan just three months prior to that, too, for an entire year. So coming into Houston to a college of 18 to 22 year old folks, uh, of which actually Houston is a very, um, you know, there's a huge diversity there. So there was actually a significant veteran population, but I didn't find them until probably six months, a year in. Uh, but that culture shock alone um, dissuades a lot of veterans from pursuing education in the first place. They don't even pursue high bill, even though the benefits are there. Um, but for those of us that are actually in higher education and, and use our benefits, you start to kind of coalesce around certain um, identity or discipline that you've learned in the military. Um, and a lot of veterans don't know that they carry this. It's something that I talk to veterans all the time. Um, I, I kind of spearheaded a few veteran efforts, uh, veteran advocacy efforts at the University of Houston and, and, and in the city as well and here in Houston. And a lot of veterans come to me and they talk to me. I, I don't know how to articulate my experience. I don't know how it's relevant to anything that I'm doing, not only in, in education, but afterwards in their professional careers. It's the fact that veterans don't know how to articulate their, their experience to a civilian uh, hiring manager or hiring professional you know they don't understand how that translates to a civilian job um, but what's something that i think you know I, I feel personally that every veteran carries within them is the fact that they were trained under a specific regimen a specific hierarchy of discipline and they didn't even know that they you know you could call it brainwashing you can call it whatever you want but we are bred professionals we are bred to be you know effective not only on the battlefield but you know in garrison which we call back in back at the base you know effective within our teams within our families within our communities those elements carry with us but a lot of veterans don't even understand that that's actually a part of who they are as a person and that's what leave makes veterans a, a force multiplier they're kind of they've got that secret sauce that you're always looking for i know that you're in your hiring realm you're always looking for great talent that provides that that x factor now i always believe that veterans Bar none, you know, I mean, there's, there's some exceptions here and there, but for those who actually lived and espoused the values of the military service that they, they, they were, you know, pursuing at that time, I feel that, you know, if they unlocked those things, those lessons learned that they carried with them throughout the service, they would be, you know, a force multiplier for their team, for their, for their product, for their organization. You know, a lot of veterans, especially here in Texas, and we, uh, by and large, are entrepreneurs. We, we begin our own startups, we start our own companies, and we pursue all sorts of stuff. So it's kind of hard to articulate that, you know, from a, coming from a veteran to a civilian if you don't have the language to actually communicate that. And there's a lot of organizations out there that help that. But, you know, by and large, that's generally what veterans struggle with when it comes to hiring and, you know, putting the resume together, interviewing, um, you know, communicating with other people about 
what they did in the military and how is that relevant to, you know, creating a construction document set for, you know, a multifamily building or something to that effect. It's, 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 it's distinctly unique to this kind of community, um, but it's something that hiring managers, recruiters and whatnot need to kind of almost kind of coax out of potential candidates because I feel once you get it out, like that's a gem, you know, hiding in the, in, you know, hiding in the rough there, you're going to have a stellar candidate on your hands for sure. So it's almost like, um, I mean, these guys, not only does the veteran need to be educated about how to present themselves, but the hiring manager needs to be sufficiently educated about, like you said, how to pull those things out of those individuals so that they get a quality interview and they're able to gain knowledge and information in terms of what, you know, what this individual brings to the table. Exactly. I think that uh, a lot of it really needs to be translated to the potential employer too. I mean, the employer, um, you know, may always think that, oh, yeah, we got to hire veterans. They have something going on with them that makes them, you know, a great candidate, you, you know, but they may not know why, um, you know, and, and part of the reason why I believe that all veterans, you know, have kind of some sort of special characteristic to them is the fact that we're, you know, immersed in supply chain management. We're immersed in um, squad, though, like little, little tactical leadership skills, you know, we're emerging, um, not only, you know, survival on a, on a realistic scale, but survival on an organizational scale. Um, we have, uh, depending on your character service. So my, my, my background, uh, was in the army, uh, as a, as a Ford observer with, uh, scout recon platoons for both uh, my tours to Iraq and Afghanistan. So it was a little bit more active, a little more kinetic as we used to call it. So more conventional, uh, warfare, but we also had a distinct non lethal slash, um, uh, populist centric, uh, operational focus as well, where we developed, uh, you know, agricultural projects. We worked on roads, mosques, schools. We developed populace in the communities to strengthen them so they could push out any kind of insurgent force that was within their villages, within whatever we we're occupying. So, you know, not everybody has that kind of character of service, but they get to have some level of service where they're participating in this grand, you know, you know, perhaps a machine, perhaps, you know, some structure that is accomplishing a mission. And it's, you know, the beauty of it is that everybody participates in decentralized command. Everybody participates in being a, a decisive actor on the battlefield, regardless if they're engaged in combat or not. They're able to determine, you know, what their priorities are. They're able to execute on it and they're able to do it in a systematic way that, you know, most civilians may not necessarily get that kind of skill until well after college until their five or 10th year in whatever firm they're working for. Veterans are, you know, in the military, you're forced to do that within the first year. They're not going to survive basic training or boot camp, you know, without getting into that role. So everyone has that mentality. They just don't know how to unlock it and put that into effect when they go to a civilian career or go to college. Okay. Okay. So uh, what, what advice do you give your peers that you know of that are coming out or maybe somebody that you serve with that's now coming out of the military and is saying, hey, Sean, I'm trying to get into engineering as well. What advice are you specifically giving them? Uh, and I think really when it comes down to it, I kind of focus on a couple of aspects. I really kind of dive deep, deep, sorry, dive deeper rather into their personal character. I think not everybody is suited uh, for whatever they look at. So often this comes, this come, kind of comes up in the conversation. They look at the list of salaries of what will give them the most money after college. Yeah, which reasonable. I mean, a lot of fam uh, veterans have families coming out of the military service. Um, you know, a lot of them just want to get out there and make money and, and support themselves. But you know, ultimately, it's really about what's going to make you know, make them happy. Um, some of the things that I really focus on is just, you know, find what your purpose is, something that you feel that you could do. Obviously, you know, there's a whole, 
all sorts of, of uh, cliche elements to that we could be do for free and then do that for a living kind of thing you know like that may not also be realistic but just find something that you know gives you fire gives you that fire in your belly to pursue it and be, become you know that that professional role and there's something that i think veterans kind of do well on is that they kind of avoid even these kind of corporate uh, or traditional roles in the professional world to kind of pursue their own ventures they often start their own companies they start their own ventures they co-partner with somebody else uh, they provide that kind of secret element that i think that you know spices up the the founding founding or the founders of a company when you you know start to bootstrap your own firm or bootstrap your venture i think a, a veteran in the mix kind of gives you an element of of depth of experience that you might not otherwise have so i always kind of encourage veterans to if they have the opportunity to you know explore their options and find what resonates them and what makes them happy honestly at the end of the day not just go for that highest salary mark on on whatever veteran you know whatever major you know degree program list you're, you're looking at on on google yeah and that's hard that's a hard conversation to have because you're dealing with people that Unfortunately, we don't pay our military as much as we should be paying them. And so when they come out, everybody's like feast or famine. I got to make up for what I missed out on. And that's yeah. that's a really, that's a tough, that's a hard mindset to overcome. And I think, um, you know, I, I would imagine just looking at what you've experienced and what you where, where you are now versus where you were before. Um, I mean, you see the differences um, in terms of what it takes to kind of build up your resume to to kind of take what you the skill set that you had coming out of the military, then taking it through college, through the university setting, and then out into the workforce, it has really prepared you for something even beyond what you know a normal person would have coming out just coming out of university and and going matriculating through four years of college without any military experience. Sure, and, and I honestly I've kind of seen both sides. So I, I had the. Uh, um, the privilege to serve as student body president at, at the University of Houston for that's a year. Right, that's right. I was in uh, student government for a little bit before that. Uh, how I got involved in that really was kind of because of the military. I had that uh, public service itch. I needed to scratch. I needed to do something for other people. You know, I was I was getting paid to go to school because of the GI Bill. You know, thankfully because of the program that exists. And uh, I knew I needed, I, had to, I needed to contribute it to the community that was providing me with education. Uh, and I wanted to help other people, advocate for other people, and make sure that people were uh, aware of their benefits, aware of the resources they had available. So I uh, just kind of got involved with student government kind of on the off uh, on my off time, and uh, it kind of snowballed into my election, and eventually you know, was able to serve as the, the president over 43,000 people, uh, students rather, in the uh, second most diverse research institution in the country. So it was it was a, definitely a, a distinct opportunity for me to see, you know, what it means to be, you know, a student, you know, from the freshman perspective, straight like true freshman perspective, coming out of high school, coming into the college. So I never really had that experience. I was more or less out of you know in the military, almost out of college, but or out of high school rather. And I think that you know a lot of parents come into school thinking that there is this huge divide between them and the younger generation of students that surround them in classroom. And in a lot of ways, yes, that's true. Our experience definitely distinguishes us and differentiates us in a, in a, in a very special way, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have the, you know, a distinct advantage or, you know, ad, absolute advantage over anybody. It's just different. Um, I think that people coming out of college, out of high school into college have just as much an opportunity to be uh, as strong a leader, as strong as uh, the professional, strong in their discipline, as anybody else. I think that there's opportunities at every university institution 
institution that you go to, you're always going to have a distinct opportunity to um, contribute to the school, contribute to the community, whether it be a student organization, whether it be uh, advocating for your college, advocating for the university, uh, you know, participating in athletics. Those things all shape you as a leader, all shape you as a professional. Uh, and I think that, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, or from just a hiring standpoint, companies and owners are looking for people who participate in these sort of things. So, I mean, you know, if you're on the football team or you're in, you know, some student organization focused on perhaps a cultural background or, you know, something, uh, you know, technology related or whatever it might be, you're going to have a leadership opportunity that develops you uh, into a strong you know, professional and leader going into the position so you can know what it means to actually, you know, manage resources, uh, manage time. Um, you know, for me, it was a unique opportunity being student by president to not have the hierarchy of the military because um, I was a sergeant in the military. So, you know, I had, I was a non-commissioned officer. I had folks under me around eight to 10 people at, at a time. And, you know, I had the power of rank, I had the power of this hierarchy behind me to say, you know, you're going to execute this plan that I've established because I am ranked higher than you. Well, in the student body president role, I didn't have that luxury. You know, I didn't, there was, you know, large early twenties, you know, some teenage students in my Senate or within my cabinet or, you know, other student organizations, they, they, they don't have any, requirement to, to, to execute on my plan you have to develop ownership with them develop you know give them skin in the game yeah, and that's a very unique thing um, a lot of veteran leaders don't get a chance to learn because you don't have to give that to them you already have their skin in the game because you're they're invested they're they signed a contract they're part of the military whereas in a civilian role you know that's 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 a distinct opportunity or that's a you know an element that any leader in any firm, any professional industry has is because you have to develop, you know, ownership in your subordinate team members. You have to develop ownership in your leaders. You have to you have to lead up and down, up and down the uh, chain. So it, it it it's definitely unique to be a veteran in this in this in this industry and in in uh, higher education. But it's not an absolute advantage, in my opinion. I think you know civilian, you know, typical civilian routes provide you know, just as many different opportunities, it's just a different character, different, different, um, you know, value perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm just curious, did you, did you see yourself in this current position now when you were just coming out of the, out of Afghanistan in 2012, 2011, 2012, is this where you thought you'd be in, in about five years? I, well, I knew I knew I wanted to get my degree. Um, my, Initial aspirations was to potentially get my officer commission and go back into the army. Okay. Um, but I, I found out pretty quickly that I was happy being a civilian. Um, you know, not having to shave is, is, a, is a nice <laughs> thing. There. Um, right. I found out. Uh, I don't know. Personally, I, I knew pretty early on, even when I was in the military, that I wanted to be a civil engineer. Um, even potentially before the military, my, my my father is a structural designer, and he's been doing that since before I was born. He's right. worked in. Uh, sorts of firms um you know most recently worked on multifamily projects doing you know steel beam timber projects and whatnot so it's um, in the blood <laughs> yeah so like I, I i distinctly remember uh my dad bringing on plans when i was you know even when i was in diapers and me trying to draw on them to, you know color in the lines kind of thing you know that it, it, it's definitely something that's been pervasive and around me my entire life but uh, what kind of sealed the deal for me was in the military. When I was in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, for that matter, we did a lot of projects with uh, the State Department. We did a lot of projects with uh, USAID, which is the international development arm of the State Department. And uh, I worked with civil engineers pretty closely on those projects with my uh, my lieutenant. We worked on, like I said before, mosques, schools, roadways, agricultural projects, watershed projects, 
um, trying to basically develop infrastructure for these uh, villages who have been who have been there for you know hundreds of years. Or can, or their cultural background span longer than ours, and uh, you know they're 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 having a hard time. They don't even have refrigeration. They don't have electricity. You know, that's or or centralized plumbing. You know, it's something that you know really struck a chord with me. You know, the, all the, the confluence of everything in my family coming into a point where it's directly helping somebody. Or even even seeing an Afghan elder cut the ribbon on a school where none had existed before, where twenty to thirty to forty students uh, effectively had to take all their classes and. and Outdoors, uh, you know, something that uh, I'm in, in class because Afghanistan, there's a lot of snow during four or five months of the year, uh, especially up in the Hindukush and Himalayas area, uh, and it's hot during the summer. So, you know, that seeing that direct reward, um, not necessarily as an engineer, but as somebody, per, you know, supporting an engineering role was very rewarding. And I wanted to do that um, both domestically and internationally. So I found that I wanted to do that either in my home, in my communities, or, you know, domestically, or potentially do international development. So coming into college, I knew very early on that I wanted to do that. Um, I had the opportunity to apply to University of Houston uh, while I was in Afghanistan. Um, I had a satellite TACSAT terminal that I was able to connect to to use the, the Wi-Fi, the internet over there. Very, very slow, obviously. But I applied to and found out I was accepted to a UH while I was over there um, and uh, knew knew that was my plan even in the last months of our deployment as we were transitioning over to the next unit. Um, so yeah, I, I had a pretty distinct you know, distinct mission at least coming coming back from the military. Um, and then for the next uh, three or four years, I was doing engineering you know studies as well and um, you know enjoyed that took 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 advantage of all the time I had as correct, you know, extracurriculars. I worked a bit, but also did the student government, as I mentioned before. And it was around, uh, uh, I think I mentioned October, November, when I heard, heard uh, Will talking on that podcast. And uh, I had already had, that was my, in my, in my third internship at that point. Uh, I had done a structural one. I found out early on I didn't want to do structural civil engineering, facing relationships, a lot of communication. I enjoy people interactions. I like developing relationships and I like doing leveraging a technical background for the purpose of improving and providing value to somebody's bottom line and providing value to somebody's life in general. Uh, so yeah, when I listen to that podcast in uh, uh, October, November, uh, I tend to do this with a lot of folks. I write down their name in my, my notebook. Um, I, I'm really distinct about focusing on mentor mentorship relationships. Um, I tend to write down names of people who I think, who I think to reach out to, um, folks who I think uh, resonate with me personally or professionally, and I want to learn more about what they're they're all about. Uh, was an interest in I'm going to work for Big Red Dog in one year or whatever. I, I I wanted to find out more about Will and the company, and uh, lo and behold, probably two months later, uh, I had a friend who got picked up as the uh, structural line leader here uh, in, in the company. Reached out to him, set up a meeting with some of the principals here in Houston. Um, right after that. I knew right away that this was the firm that I wanted to be a part of. So yeah, continued conversations from there, joined in uh, in May and, and haven't looked back. It's, it's been, it's been a, a hell of a ride so far. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love hearing stories like that. And, and certainly uh, I'm sure they're glad to have you. I mean, it, it is a, it is a very unique firm. I, I, you know, because we work with you guys, um, you know, sometimes I get a chance to talk to other people about, 
Big Red Dog and about the type of firm that it is. And you're not a normal. I mean, I've worked with Carter and Burgess and some of the old line engineering firms that have dotted the landscape of the design industry over the decades. And and you guys are just totally, totally different. Um, it's even hard to describe in some way. Will does a good job of it, but yes, I mean, you guys are different and there are other firms that are out there that, that are kind of doing design work a little differently than has been done in the past. So I think it's interesting and I look forward to seeing what the next chapter is for, for Big Red Dog. I think 2018 is going to be a very interesting year for you guys. Yeah, it absolutely will. Uh, and I, and honestly, I don't think what we have here is, is, you know, something secret. I think this is, a a model, um, in my opinion, that will be replicated across the industry going forward. You know, being and like I'm not necessarily, you know, young relative to other graduate project engineer levels. I'm 31, going on 32, and you know, I'm still technically a millennial, I guess, in the upper range. But uh, I had the opportunity to be, in, you know, immersed around you know many students of that generation of the younger millennial. Generation, uh, being student body president, I had become uh, distinctly aware of the issues and the friction and the pain points that they have going into their professional careers, not necessarily engineering in general, but, you know, uh, other other industries as well. And, you know, coming into our industry specifically, I think that millennials and those coming out of college now expect a different caliber of, of employment than many did in the past. I mean, it's just a generational evolution, of course, it's going to change regardless. Um, but I'm convinced that, you know, it's not necessarily just what Will has to provide, but the team at Big Red Dog has to provide, you know, the culture that we've created here is something that's going to pop up in other firms around the country. Um, absolutely. I don't think that any firm that has a has an interest um, in, st- in sticking around is, is not going to change. I think this is this is the pathway forward for for this industry. Um, and I, honestly, I think I have a more radical approach. I think I think this industry will change dramatically in the next 10 to 20 years to become a commoditized industry where we, you know, have, uh, I think you've mentioned this in the past with the gig economy, this, this industry focuses on human hours of contribution towards a design project. What we have at Big Red Dog, we com- our commodity is the service of engineering services. Our product, however, is what we encapsulate that with and provide to the client. You know, we communicate effectively. We're transparent. We provide a very distinct high level of service uh, and accuracy in our plans, but we also provide the brand that we're, we're putting forward. We're showing them, you know, our, our employees are happy. Our past clients are happy. You know, these are folks who are committed to our mission and committed to providing value to your deal. This, you know, Anybody can get civil engineering services, you know, regardless, you know, they can find the cheapest uh, billable rate on the market and go with that, but they're not going to get the product. They'll get the same commodity, but it'll be a low quality product. And I think that our industry is generally, the trajectory is going towards a commoditization that allows for professionals in this industry to, to be almost uh, independent or fluid in, in terms of what they commit to. Um, they can spend six months on a few projects take a year hiatus, go to, go to Fiji or something, if they, you know, whatever it might be, jump on the projects. We are already kind of doing that uh, in Big Red Dog. We have people who take hiatus uh, uh, and take, uh, you know, six months to go you know, pursue you know, photography or go um, potentially explore other places in the world. You know, that, that capacity is already there built into to organizations like ours and other firms. I, I don't see that be, being, you know, a temporary uh, benefit. That's something that, my generation and, and, the, and the younger millennials and uh, my children eventually are going to want and continue to want going forward. They want that optionality. 
uh, they don't necessarily care about giving being given you know the highest level pay or etc they want something that gives them freedom you know gives them something the ability to express themselves i, I think we always talk about the side hustle with millennials i don't really like that term because it implies that it's you know not important for us you know it's about our primary mission you know is taking care of ourselves and whether we do that with our, you know, the, the job that takes the most time out of our day or the, the job that doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You can call it the side hustle or whatever you want, but it's something that contributes to us as a character, as a person and finds a purpose in us individually. And I think it's important, you know, going forward. I, I don't think we want to ignore that. I think that's going to become even, even more important as we go forward um, as our students start graduating out of, out of, into this program and in this career. I think we'll find that more and more often in the case where we have firms and companies having to support that. Yeah, man. I listen. I couldn't have. I couldn't have said that better. And uh, I, I think we'll have to put a bow in it right there. I certainly want to be respectful of our listening audience, and we'll have to get. We'll definitely. You're, you're, you're setting me up here, Sean, because now you're going to make me want to have you back on the show for a part two, and, and and we'll have to continue the discussion. But just a lot of really good information that I think uh, the audience needs to hear, and especially. I'm going to try to get this podcast out in the hands of you know any veterans that are out there that are, are looking to get into the design industry and just need a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's just simply that, you know, to hear, oh, well, if he could do it, I'm going to try it, you know, and I think that's really important. So I appreciate your transparency. I appreciate your willingness to share. We're not going to we're not going to let you off the hook, though, without just sharing a little bit more <laughs> about who Sean is. And so just tell me, what, what was the last book that you read? Uh, shoot. Well, I, I tend to read two books simultaneously since, uh, if I given the chance, <laughs> I'll just, well, that, yeah, I mean, not, not at the same time, right, 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 right. right. Not a, but, uh, I tend to read a lot of nonfiction. So I tell myself I have to be reading a, a fiction book, you know, right. as well. And I kind of, alternate. in the morning, I allow myself professional nonfiction kind of things. In the evening, I, I tend to listen to comedy or fiction, uh, audio. And so the last fiction book I just read, I just completed, uh, the Graveyard Book uh, by Neil Gaiman, uh, which is excellent. It was an audio book. I, I don't have many opportunities to read uh, uh, read books uh, by the fire or anything. I've got three kids under three yeah, at home. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, limited opportunity there. Uh, for the first, so I'm completing a uh, nonfiction book um, presently called Extreme Ownership uh, by Jocko Willink. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's a good book. Uh, Leif Babin, uh, which I'm not really usually too big on veteran authors. Uh, I, I, it's taken me a while to get, get to this book, and I've heard Jocko talk on a few podcasts before. And um, I'm not really into that like big, you know, tough guy persona. Like you got to get up at 4:30 in the morning and attack the day. The enemy's up. You got to, you know, get out there, snipers do kind of thing. And because I heard that all, you know, it was it was so pervasive in, in when I was in the military. So, but uh, fine reading this book has been um, definitely revitalized some of the some of the military training that I've had in the past. I've you know learned a little bit more about myself as a leader um, and how to kind of articulate that in my in my role uh, in my professional and personal life even. It's definitely a great book. I would take a look at it uh, if anybody's interested in, in the Iraq or Afghanistan war they intersperse their own experiences in the military uh, right. along with the application to business. Um, it may be a little bit um, you know disconnected from some of the civilian experiences, but for somebody in the military, it absolutely makes a lot of sense. A lot of experiences I, I've shared with them in, in, in that book as well. So I recommend it for sure. Okay. All right. Cool. So what was, uh, or, or rather I should say, if, uh, where was the last place you went on vacation? <laughs> uh, well, I did say that I have three kids under three at home. So, right. Uh, <laughs> so it's not much vacation for you. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah. 
I was born for two or three months ago, so we went to the, you know, went to deliver him. Um, no, our, our uh, last vacation, um, my, my wife Paige probably will kill me for calling this a vacation. So in 2015, when I was student body president, University of Houston uh, had a stellar football season. Uh, Tom Herman, uh, although he's at UT now, I don't begrudge him that, took us to the Peach Bowl uh, that year. And we were ranked number 13. Um, so we took a road trip out to Atlanta to uh, celebrate New Year's with a few friends out there and some family that I had there. I got to see the game, see them beat Florida State, go Cougs. You know, I, I was definitely a great end cap to the season. Uh, I'm, I'm, hap- I'm, I'm excited for them to take it back uh, to a, a New Year's Six Bowl again. I'm sure it's on the horizon. UCF is doing well this season. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the American Conference. I'm, I think we got it in us. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, let's see what happens. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll widen the um... – the bowl series and add, add four more teams. So sure. you know, we can see what happens. That's interesting. Um, if uh, you could binge watch one TV show, old or new, what would it be? Oh, well, I'm actually in mid binge right now with my, my wife. Um, we're watching all of the star Trek series uh, oh, from wow. order. Yeah. It's taken me. So I've not seen all of them. I've seen bits and pieces of every single yeah, type of series. Yeah. So we're starting with Enterprise, which is the first chronological, and then the new series came out, Discovery, and that's mm-hmm. by the original series. Um, and I, it, it's kind of embarrassing because one of our daughters, we have twin daughters who are two years old, um, and one of them is named Jed Zia, which is named after a character in Star Trek Deep Space Nine because my wife is a big Trekkie. Um, <laughs> and I, I have not seen the entirety of Deep Space Nine, so I feel like I'm, I, I'm obligated to at least watch the entirety of that series, and then might as well watch the entire thing. Uh, but yeah, that's something that we, we tend to do after the kids go to bed. We you know turning things like that every now and then. Okay. Uh, personally, a lot of Marvel stuff. I tend to pick up the uh, the Punishers, the one thing I'm working on now. Yeah, I heard it's to- really good. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I hear it's really good. So uh, that's awesome. And um, so yeah, I guess that's about it. I mean, you've, you've shared, uh, you've, you've bared your soul a little bit with it with the listening audience. So we appreciate that and. Um, we appreciate you sharing, man, and, and thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule just to be with us on this podcast. So uh, we're definitely going to work it out to get you back on. I think what you have to say and your voice for the veteran audience out there that's trying to break into or has already broken into the design industry and just wants to hear a friendly voice that will encourage them to keep going in the direction that they're going in, uh, I think it's necessary to share that. And I'm encouraging firms to be more proactive about getting more veterans involved. I mean, we you know, we, we're, we, we have a very finite resource of people out there available um, for the roles that need to be filled. I mean, you guys know that perfectly well at Big Red Dog because you have a number of key positions that need to be filled, just like a lot of your peer firms out there do. So um, we're just yeah, we just want to encourage people to 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 take on you know, anybody that's out there that's viable and it could make a difference in your organization the same way that you've done at Big Red Dog. So I applaud you. I thank you for your service. And I really appreciate you taking time to to be on with us. No, it's, it's been a privilege being on here with you. And, and I just wanted to send a quick note for if there are any veterans listening, you know, you're not alone. Seek out other other folks in your community. Reach out to me. Um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Yeah, Sean Terrio Smith there. Any of the uh, social media platforms, it's Terrios at Terrios Smith. Um, definitely reach out, make a friend, develop yourself as an individual, and, and you can accomplish things out of the military service. So you're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and we're definitely going to put all of Sean's contact information in our show notes. So you, you will have access to that as well. And we will put this online and we'll spread this out on social media and try to get it onto some of the veteran sites as well to encourage them to listen in. And I'm sure Sean will share it with his 
uh, body of friends and colleagues. So uh, there won't be any uh, shortage of this podcast episode getting around and getting into the hands of the right people. So, but thanks again, Sean. We really appreciate appreciate having you on. No, thank you, Randy. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the next time. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, folks, listen, I want to thank you again for listening to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. As you know, we've changed up a lot of things. And the biggest thing that we've changed is that we're now giving the Zweig Letter away for free. That's right. You've heard it. F-R-E-E. All you have to do is go to zweiggroup.com Click on the Zweig letter icon and just enter your email address. I don't need your name. I don't need your address. I don't need your blood type. All I need is your email address and you can get the Zweig letter for free delivered digital, 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 ah, delivered digitally every Monday morning. And what's even better, if you want to have your whole company or your whole team get this Zweig letter so that you guys can discuss it at the water cooler and, you know, discuss some of the great topics that are happening out there. Even Will Schneer from Big Red Dog has written some outstanding articles in this Zweig letter. But there's just, you know, 12 to 14 pages of outstanding information on a weekly basis. I believe it is the longest running newsletter in the design industry. So I would encourage you um, to, to make yourself uh, available to that resource. It is free and it is my gift to you. Remember, sharing is caring. Um, we'd also uh, appreciate it. You know, this Wide Letter podcast comes out both on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play. We hope hope to be on Spotify very soon. Uh, and you can also catch us on YouTube. So you can download and listen to this uh, in, in several different mediums and several different forms. And if you're so inclined and you want to give us a five-star review, we'd really appreciate it. So feel free to, to fill that out on iTunes or Stitcher, any, anywhere that you get your podcast. But we really appreciate you. We appreciate everybody in the listening audience. And we thank you again. And thank you for our guests and for all the amazing people that we're able to have on this show on a weekly basis. We could not do it without you. Once again, I'm Randy Wilburn, and you're listening to the Zweig Letter Podcast, part of Zweig Group Media. Remember, we exist to make you more successful. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to this Zweig Letter Podcast episode. If you want more wisdom and inspiration, in addition to information about M&A, strategic planning, HR, and marketing your firm, Subscribe now to the digital version of the Zweig Letter free of charge. Just visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe and leave your email address. Your free subscription will begin immediately.